0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I was just with you all a few short weeks ago on Easter Day. um, It's hard to believe that it's been only a month since that time, and on that day we had the Great privilege to celebrate together the Feast of the Resurrection and to celebrate the Easter miracle, what keeps bringing us back day in and day out, week in and week out, to that miracle of reliving yet again the joy of knowing that on Easter day, the women came to the tomb and other witnesses came to the tomb and and they, they found the tomb empty. They found the stone rolled back and they found No one there to pay respects to because he who was dead had risen. And Jesus had risen and emerged into the world to preach and share new life, new hope, and a resurrected ministry for all of us. It's hard to believe that that was only a month ago. But we are still in the middle of Easter. We are still celebrating the great 50 days of Easter and we do so because this period of time for us Christians is a wonderful opportunity to remember those early days of Christianity. Those days when the, the, the new religion began to find footing and when new converts began to find their way to the resurrected life, and when men and women began to say, you know that Jesus guy that we heard so much about, that great prophet who, who healed, fed 5,000, taught the blind to see, fed the hungry? He's, he's, he, he's, he lives, he lives. The tomb was empty. We remember that now. And we share that now. We share those stories of the road to Emmaus. We share those stories of his resurrected life and the promise that that brings. And remember, the Easter joy and the Easter promise and what we experience in resurrection is not just something that we look forward to in the life to come. That's the dessert, if you will. But it's also the here and the now, the promise of God's resurrected life in this life that we know even now. And we are, we are recipients of the grace that comes from the tomb being empty. But Easter season gives us a lot of great opportunities and one of those great opportunities is the chance to hear again the stories of how the early church was formed. And, and today, we heard from the Acts of the Apostles. Now, just, just a short Sunday, I'm just, I promise, just a short Sunday school lesson. The Acts of the Apostles is, it is, the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Okay? It's the next edition. Okay? So, it's generally believed by scholars that whoever wrote Luke's Gospel or the community that wrote it also interjected the next generation of stories into the Acts of the Apostles. So it's the continuing story. But what we have really specifically with Acts is is the formation of that early church from the day of Pentecost to the calling of the first disciples. And, And when we look at today's lesson, which by the way, I'll own it, it's not, It's not exactly a cheery scene as they're stoning Stephen, okay? Matter of fact, it's kind of a bummer, but that's another story. Right before that and right after that are two very important pieces of this story that we really can't let slip away because I believe they really weigh into our call and how we're called to continue to preach, practice our faith, and share our faith with others. Today we have the stoning of Stephen, okay? Stephen was part of the first deacons, if you will, the first group of seven that was called out by the first generations of Christians as the church began to grow. What do MBA programs throughout the world tell you? Delegate, delegate, delegate. That's what's going on here. They were realizing that they couldn't keep up with all the demands of the new community. Particularly some of the demands of taking care of the basic needs of the widows and the more vulnerable men and women within the community. So they called what we can really call the first generation of deacons, the first seven. And Stephen was one of those. Stephen was one of those called to make sure that the hungry were fed. One of those called to make sure that, that the persecuted had what they needed to make sure that basic needs were met. But Stephen lived his faith, and he carefully lived his faith, and lived into his servanthood, but also went one step further. And when, when put to the test, he called out the religious leadership of the day and said, you missed the opportunity. You missed it. Jesus the Christ came amongst us, and Jesus the Christ offered us salvation. Jesus the Christ offered us new life. That's why Stephen was put to death. And he goes down in history as, we could argue whether he's the first martyr or one of the first martyrs, but he goes down as a very important martyr that influenced the faith of others for generations and generations to come. But right before the part where it says that he died, which is the tail end of the chapter, right before that we're told that a young man named Saul looked on. That young man named Saul was in fact the Saul that we know from Scripture who was one of the most horrible persecutors of Christians. He was one that went hunting Christians, if you will, and sought ways to persecute them, sought ways to put them to death. And then the post-text right after this reading that we had that ends with he died, reads really simply. Yeah, I have to have my, my cheat sheet here. And Saul approved of their killing him. Saul approved of their killing him. He looked on and he approved and went on to continue to persecute Christians. Taken a long way of getting to the finish line here. Saul lived what we might call and should call a notoriously evil life. But, but, he was knocked off his horse a little bit later, and became from that moment forward, Paul the greatest evangelist in the history of our church. The man who could be called one of the most incredible church builders in history. Yes, this Saul who looked on, this Saul who approved of this killing became one of the great founders of the Christian faith throughout the world important for us to hold on to that, important for us to know that, because what that should tell us is that the resurrected life is available to everybody, that the resurrected life is waiting for us in the here and now, that the resurrected life is there for even the most heinous criminals, and, and that those men and women that we might think are incapable of offering anything to the kingdom of God do in fact have much to share and much to give and much to do with proclaiming that Christ is in fact our Lord and Savior. Twice a year, sometimes more, I go up to um, Parchman, Mississippi and go to the, uh, uh, the, the prison up there. We have a little church, a lot of folks don't realize it, but we have a little church inside the, the, the walls there um, called St. Vincent's, and um, there's, uh, we have a chaplain, David Langdon, who's been doing that ministry for a long time, and, and they meet regularly, usually once a week in the, uh, in the Spiritual Life Center, and uh, there's a number of inmates who are Episcopalians that, that come to that service. Um, I was up there just two three days ago and uh, confirmed 20, confirmed 20 inmates. Um, some were reaffirmations, other were receptions. And then we enjoyed an incredible fellowship afterwards, a great meal, and let me, friends, let me tell you something, if you think an EYC group can eat a lot, um, inmates who have been living on state rations, they can eat a lot. I mean, I saw more pork chops sucked back than I could count, it was, an, it was, it was amazing. But I, I tell you that's this story for a really good reason. These men are finding Christ, and, and, and they're not, these are not people who got too many parking tickets. You know, these, are, these are folks that are not gonna be getting out of there. These are murderers, these are convicted felons of, of violent crimes, and they're not gonna be going anywhere. But these are folks who are living their faith, striving to repent and return to the Lord, and they're telling others about it. How else does the word get out so that we could confirm 20 if somebody else in their cell block isn't saying, you want to come to church with me? How else is the word getting out that St. Vincent's is a place for fellowship and a place for renewal than if they're not telling others about their faith. These are men who have turned their life around and all they have anymore is their faith because most of their families have sort of kicked them to the curb. But they are doing their best to make sure that their brothers know there is another way of life and that the resurrected life is available to them. There's a small group of them that drive me crazy every time I'm up there, because they really, they really want me to, or, to ordain them as deacons. And, and I'm, I'm open to that, I'm open to that, but we gotta figure out some other canonical pieces of that, of that before we can get around to, to all that. But my point with telling you the story is really simple. None of us are beyond redemption. None of us are at a point where we don't have something to offer our Lord and Savior. Whether it's working in a soup kitchen, whether it's nailing boards at a Habitat for Humanity house, whether it's serving on the altar, whether it's making a joyful noise with the choir, whether it's leading EYC groups, whether it's giving free legal consultation, there's so so many ways that we can live out our ministry. And when we do that, we do that, we are telling others, come, come and see, experience this new life. Today we celebrate new life in this Easter season with baptisms. We celebrate it with confirmations. We celebrate it as we make our covenant yet again in front of our Lord saying, here I am, send me. And we should do so knowing that none of us are beyond redemption. None of us are without a ministry to offer. None of us are beyond telling others to come and see and experience the new life that God has in store for us. Today is Easter day, tomorrow is Easter day, And God is always reaching out to us and saying, come, come, experience the joy of the empty tomb. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.